does share with us that our hearts are open to what the Lord wants to say through. That we don't become an ever hearing and never doing and ever perceiving people, but we become a people that do and adjust as He speaks into our lives. So, I pray for you. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Thank Jesus. Lord, thank you for a man that loves you with all his heart. Man that's laid his life down for you and that's just willing to serve you, Lord Jesus, however it may look. I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint his words and you would speak through him this morning, Lord. As we honor the gift that you've, that you've placed in him, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us receive that which you want to say this morning. Help us receive that which you want to do this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Are we awake yet? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a wonderful privilege to be here. Um, I'll just give you some background before I start preaching so you know who it is standing in front of you. My name is Clarence Rule. I'm the exception to the rule. Um, and my wife is Azalea, and we've got two children, Gareth and Lauren, and they're all grown up, and they're still in Worcester. And nine years ago, we planted a church in Worcester um, from Somerset West. Uh, I thought that was it. We're going to retire there. And uh, a year ago, we became part of Josh Jen. God moved us as a as a whole congregation into Josh Jen. Um, after uh, what happened in June, because you might have been wondering why I walk with a swagger, it's not because I am from Mitchell's Plain or I'm trying to be like a, or from the gangster state or something. Um, uh, on the 1st of June last year, I had a stroke that left me paralyzed on one side. And what you see is, is the miraculous, miraculous healing power of God. Um, it's just, uh, I, remember, I recall lying in bed wondering, Will I ever walk again? Will I ever preach again? Will I ever do the stuff I used to do? And uh, God has just, in a miraculous way, given me back a lot of what I, uh, a lot of my health, and, and uh, there's still a bit of a way to go, but what I have, I'm so grateful for. And I can testify of God's goodness and His healing power. So um, after that, uh, June, we handed over our church in, in October. And uh, then the two of us um, had, a, had the great privilege of starting out to go around to the different co Josh Jen congregations and minister every Sunday in a different congregation. Now, if you give away your age, you'll understand what I'm... If you understand what I'm saying now, you're going to give away your age. Years ago, when, when Volkswagen brought out their first Jettas, there, there was the Fox, the Volkswagen Fox, and then they, they, they started with a Jetta. The square, the boxy one. And there was the advert of two, a, a young couple that drove to every one of their family's weddings and every function. It was, they were called Chris and Penny. So, so we call this the Chris and Penny ministry because we drive every Sunday different places. Sometimes we might be in town for a, 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 a sermon or a, a, a meeting in the morning and at a wedding in Worcester in the afternoon. Um, so, so we travel all over the Western Cape preaching the Word of God. And that's a privilege. 
But there's a greater privilege that we have, and that is to go into the various contexts and worship with God's people. Um, just to worship with you. I mean, although it's a privilege for me to bring the word, to come in and worship with God's people in the various contexts. It's an enormous honor and privilege. And uh, I so enjoyed the worship here today. Uh, just feel the presence of God. And uh, so, yeah, um, I'm going to preach something that's not, not new. I suppose you all know it. When I open the word, you go like, yes, uh, Ross said he's a gift and he's reading a scripture we all know. And, and, but I bank on that, 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 that chorus we used to sing, the old, old story, it is ever new. So, so okay, now you're too young for that chorus also. <laughs> okay, wow, word. <laughs> so let me just tell you, help you along why I know all these choruses and stuff. I, this year on the 14th of June, I was saved 50 years. So, so, so God has saved me 50 years ago. And uh, I, was, I just came heavily off the bottle. I was drinking day and night, but it was a milk bottle because I was seven years old when I got saved. <laughs> and God really, really gripped me. At the age of 13, I started preaching in various contexts. And um, if I remember right, it's been a while. Um, at the age of 13, near on the, is it the race course road that's at the bottom end? Kenilworth, Rice there was a little church there, the Christian Brethren. I went there and preached there and in different places in Cape Town, up right up to Montague and uh, Robertson, those places. I went around like a month, pretty much as I'm doing now, at the age of 13, preaching in different contexts and stuff. And that's just the amazing grace of God. Um, so yeah, that's why I know all these old songs and stuff, because I've been around for a while. So we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And it's such a well-known scripture. Let me just check. Okay, there we go. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, well-known scripture. But I, I'd like to bring a challenge to you today, again, from that scripture. Um, we sang so nicely, have your way, Lord. Have your way. And I think God, when God takes time to press the pause button on something like this, where he says, just sing that again, sing it again. I want you to say it again. It's because he wants us to respond appropriately to what he's highlighting in our lives. So there is a correct response and there's a wrong response to when God actually pushes the pause button and gets us to, to sing something over and over. It's not just because the, the, the musicians want to take up time or if they want to keep it busy. God wants you to pay attention and have the appropriate response to that moment. So let's read Isaiah chapter 9 and the well-known scripture in verse 6 that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And this portion of scripture has been written 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. This is a prophetic word, but this is one of those words that's, 
the tension between now and not yet that's how this word is put together because he's saying and 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 if you want a heading for this morning it's a child is born and a son is given that's basically what i'm going to preach about a child is born the son is given and if you read if you read it if i I mean my english is my second language but if i read that even i understand that a child is born doesn't mean that he will be born he is born and although the, the 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 prophetic word says in 700 years time the child is born but that's that's the that's the wonder of the text is that the same way in which we speak in revelation of the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth the same way the child is born before the foundation of this it is god's plan a jesus dying on the cross is not plan b it's not jesus go to earth spend some time there meet the people heal some sick and while you are there go to the cross that wasn't god's plan b god's plan a is set aside before the foundation of the earth the child is born the child the plan is there it's a done deal the son is given and in this way we actually we actually see the two natures of christ and i hate to be a party pooper um, i said to i said to ross this is going to be a christmas sermon light uh, it's a warm-up for what's happening later in the month to you guys um, but i want to make it clear that jesus didn't come to this earth so we could have christmas you get that Jesus came to this earth so we could have eternal life. The fact that the world is, is, has set aside a day on which they celebrate the birth of Jesus, and we all know it's not the, the exact date, but the fact that the world has set aside a day on which they acknowledge the birth of Jesus actually counts against them because one day they will not be able to stand before God and say, we didn't know about Jesus. If, if, if they stand in judgment before God, they have no excuse because they celebrated his birthday. So here we have before us the fact that a, a child is born. And that's the human nature of Christ. As a child, he had to be born. A child could not be given. The son was given because the son could not be born. Because the son is the divine nature of God. Jesus, Jesus' divine nature. He's the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. And He was given. He could not be born. So the day that, that Mary actually gave birth, it was like this eternal God fitted into, into a, um, a baby about 40 centimeters long, into a, into a fleshly body. It was quite a job. I mean, think about it. God fits it into a human body and then this child is born. But that's the two natures that, that we constantly see in the Word of God. The child and the son. And it's important that we understand why, why we have those two natures because then we'll understand and respond in the correct manner towards Jesus and what He has done 
for us. It's a done deal. The child is born. But like I said, the child could not be given. You see, we wonder why, why Jesus wasn't just, didn't just arrive like, like John the Baptist. When we hear about him, he's a grown-up. And he's there. Jesus could have come as God. He could have manifested and appeared in flesh in front of us. But, but Jesus came because he's going to be the sin offering. And to be the sin offering, if you go back to the Old Testament, if you go back to the Old Testament, um, sacrifices of the sin offering, the, the goat or the bull, whatever they used at that stage, was taken and the high priest would lay his hands on that animal. And the sin of the people will then be put upon the head as a, it will be a symbol of putting the sin of the people on the head of that animal before that animal is then killed. And that animal, the sacrifice, had to identify with the sin in order to take the sin away. So Jesus came, he was born a child, so that he can identify totally with our humanity, with our sinfulness, so that our sins could be placed upon him on the cross of Calvary. That's why he, he carried our sins and he could carry it because he identified with our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He had to come as a child. He couldn't just come as God. And here's just something to blow your brain a bit and maybe you can discuss it over lunch with whoever you're with um, and maybe chew on this a bit. But there was a time that when Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, and Eve took of the fruit, and she ate and sinned before God, there was a time that Adam could die for her, for her sin. Because before Adam ate of the fruit, he was still sinless. And he could die for her. He could pay the price if God said, I needed a price, and God's price was sinless offering a lamb without blemish that was god's standard so if god said well i need somebody to die for for uh, um, eve's sin now there was nobody else around anyway uh, it was just adam but he was still in a position to die for her because he was a human being without sin but he would never be able to to be raised up again because that's the God part. It's the Spirit of God. that The same Spirit that was in Jesus that raises us up. So it's the God part that gave Jesus the ability to not just die, but to rise again. So sinlessness in Adam back then gave him the opportunity to die for her, but he could not be raised. She would be without him. Her sins would be forgiven, but she would be without her husband. That's why when Jesus, when God came into the garden, He actually took, I mean, it doesn't say this, it just says that, that He made them clothed with skins, but to get the skins, He had to kill animals, and to kill the animals, He had to shed blood, and because of the shedding of blood, their sins were forgiven and they had covering. So there's, it's needed that we understand why Jesus came as a child, and why He came as the Son of God. So to explain that a bit better, we can go over to Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Because in Philippians, 
Paul is onto it in the New Testament about the two natures of Christ, of Jesus. And it says this in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Listen to this carefully. Who though he was in the form of God. That's the one nature. And did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. And that means that he laid aside every claim to Godness. Every claim that he is God and he's the eternal son of God. He emptied himself of that by taking the form of a servant. And that is the other nature, the human nature. Um, being born into the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's quickly look at the, the two natures. The divine nature we look at first and then we will look at um, the human nature. We are reminded in John um, 1 verse 1, if we can have that. Um, in the, now I don't want to read this wrong because somebody has read this wrong before. In the beninging. <laughs> was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the word was God that is who we're talking about the one yes that's the one that's the divine nature that's the son given he is God not just today but forever to come and forever in, in eternity past. He is God. The other verse that I like to bring your attention, draw your attention to, is in Colossians 1 verse 15. It says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. If you see him and he says that, if you see me, you see the Father. He is God. Hebrews 1 verse 3. And I love this. I'm going to read it from there for you. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by the Son given. Right? I've just put in that extra word. Don't, don't look for it. Um, but whom he, whom he appointed to heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Yet is, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. That's my Jesus. He's got the divine nature. He's not just a baby. Sometimes we get stuck in the baby in the cradle. I mean, your baby that was... I mean, I saw a little girl running around here. I think she's two years old or something. Now, to expect her to remain two years old over 2,000 years is crazy. And yet, often we, people get stuck at the baby in the manger. No, no, he came as the baby. But he was given as a son and he, he died and he, he rose again and he is seated at the right hand of God. He's not just the baby in the manger. He's God. So, 
Let's just come back to this um, Philippians 2 because I see there's a problem with my watch. It's, it's just flying. And <laughs> Philippians 2. Let's go back to Philippians 2 verse, verse 5. From verse 5, if you don't mind. There we go. Um, yeah. I want, to, I want to bring our attention to the fact that Jesus is fully God in His divine nature. And he's fully man. Now as fully God. He didn't regard it as robbery. Or something to be grasped at. To be equal. Equality to God was to him. He, he, he is equal to God. He's equal to the Father. He's part of the Trinity. He is God. But he laid aside that. Because of his love for us. He laid aside every claim. To the majesty that he was used to and the glory he was used to before he came to earth. And we sang a very old hymn, and I'm, I'll be surprised if somebody here knows this one. But we sang this hymn that said, Out of the ivory palaces, into this world of woe, only his great redeeming love could make my Savior go. It's because of his redeeming love that he set aside his glory as part of the Godhead. He set aside the glory of that. And the Bible said he didn't regard it as something, as robbery to be equal to God. And I want to just pause there for a minute. Because if he didn't regard it as robbery, what do we do that's robbery in the sight of God? You see, the Bible it says is that equality to God, to him, wasn't robbery. But for us as men, if we want to put ourselves equal to God, it's robbery. It's robbing God of who He is, of His, His honor and His glory. Now sometimes, why that is important, sometimes we do stuff. For instance, when God healed me, when God healed me from, from the stroke, if I go around saying, you know, I did something special and I healed myself, I'm taking the glory away from God. I'm robbing God. We know the verse in Malachi, 3 verse 8 it says how do we rob God in our tithes and offerings and that's right we can rob God by not giving and we all know that but it's not just finances we can rob God by not giving him the glory due to him you see when we when within our finances I'll just do your finance teaching you know is that okay is that okay okay <laughs> so, so when we when we don't tithe and we, and we don't contribute. We are saying that what's, what did Jesus say to his disciples? What's due to Caesar? Given to Caesar. What's due to God? Given to God. So if we do not contribute, if we do not tithe, we're saying that, that what is due unto God, I am, I am so important that that's not due unto me. Therefore, I'm not giving it to God. So we're claiming equality to God by by retaining what we should give to God by keeping for us what we should be giving to God is robbery of who God is it's robbery of the honor due to God so it's not just withholding finances it's not just withholding or losing out on a blessing it's about honoring God for, for, for being God so God's saying so in two ways we can actually, we can actually 
um, rob him that is claiming or retaining. If you can remember like that, we can rob God in two ways, by claiming, claiming honor that should go to God, or retaining something that should be given to God. So for Jesus, it wasn't robbery. But for us, it will be if we claim to be equal to God or, or act as if we think we're equal to God by withholding blessing from Him. I hope that checks you up a bit and gives you some nightmares tonight because, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I think God, I, I stress that a bit more than what I should, should or intended to, but I felt the Holy Spirit say, just say it again, say it again. When the Holy Spirit speaks to me like that, I say it again until you get it. Because somebody here needed to make that adjustment. You see, often when I preach, I tell people, it's okay to, to make notes, but it's more important to make decisions. It's more important to respond appropriately to the Word of God. So Jesus' biggest battle on, on while He was on earth then was, to, was to contain the God side of him because he's got he showed us glimpses of that on the mountain of transfiguration when he just couldn't hold the God part of him anymore and he just showed the other side of him and and the people the, the disciples couldn't couldn't stand in his presence and and because he was just the glory just shone out of, shone out of him but that's who he is he just took the 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 the, the blinkers off them for a moment so they could see who he really is and the interesting thing is, after he died and rose again, he actually, when the veil was torn and we were allowed into the Holy of Holies, we can see that part of him every day. We've got access to see him in his glorious resurrection form every day. That's our privilege. So, um, I'm going to skip a section because I want to get to, to, to the child is born as well. So unfortunately, if you want to hear that part of the sermon, you'll come, have to come to where I'm preaching somewhere else at some stage. Um, because I'm just not going to be able to fit everything in. But I'll just mention this, that he gave us glimpses of his glory when he showed himself to the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. Bible says, and he, he appeared to them in another form. There isn't just the baby in the manger. There's another form. The son given. The glory of God upon him. He showed himself in Matthew 17 too, on the mountain of transfiguration. There's another side to Jesus. He is the son of God. And we need to honor him. We need to respond to him. When he speaks to us, when he says to you, will you follow me? You can't just respond to him like you'll I mean, respond to a fellow person or even to a leader where you might say, ah, I will, and then you don't, or where you, where you just say bluntly, I won't. Because he's God and we need to respond to God appropriately. And I really think here this morning that that God is stressing this point because the Holy Spirit of God right now is actually working inside of somebody. You see, we need to understand that in today's church, if you can call it that, people teach about the Holy Spirit as the one who blesses and 
You know, it's going to give you blessing and he's going to give you this and he's going to... Uh, I've got a friend who, whenever she speaks about the Holy Spirit, she says, I ask the Holy Spirit to give me a parking. And I'm like, he's God, he's not a parking attendant. Um, you know, we, we, we actually, the, the, the reason for the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. Now, it doesn't help if you, if you swear at the person not pulling out of the parking in time and then say, oh, praise God, God provided a parking. <laughs> you see how stupid we sometimes are. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. That's his first job. Right now, what you're experiencing, and I'm convinced of it, is God's Holy Spirit convicting you of sin. And there's an appropriate response to that. That's saying, I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what Jesus is lining you up for this morning, is to say, I want Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if you want to know what that discomfort is, there, God has just given you the clue to what you're going through right now. When At the end of this preach, if, it will be good to have the appropriate response to the word of God. So let's just quickly look for a short moment at the, at the child is born, the human nature. See, Jesus came, like I said, as the sin offering. He totally identified with, with man and the sin of man. And here's the interesting part. I can't go into that now. Um, but in Matthew 1, if you look at the history of the, the, the forefathers of Jesus, you'll find in there not just Abraham, not just David, but you'll find Tamar who, who acted as a prostitute with her own father-in-law. You, you'll find Rahab who was called and she's labeled until today and that's why I don't believe in labeling. But when people talk about it to bring clarity, they will say, Rahab the harlot. She's labeled, but she's in the lineage of Christ because she's forgiven. And that might be something for somebody here today. You might not have forgiven your past, but God can forgive your past. You might not have forgiven yourself for what you've done in your past and you feel you have totally messed up and how can that sin be forgiven? Rahab, Tamar, Bathsheba, all women who were compromised. And even Ruth, although she did not sin, she was a Gentile. None of them should, should have been in the lineage of Christ. And yet the names are mentioned. Why? Because of the grace of God. So there's nobody here who has done anything that could withhold the grace of God in your life. Because Jesus came and he identified not just with sinners, he had sinners as part of his family. I feel like Jesus sometimes. <laughs> so he became, he took on the form of man. He took on the likeness of man. And he went further. He took on the servanthood of man. He became the servant. And that's part of the humanness of Christ. His humility. His humility. And if it's something that God's looking for in our lives, it's humility. And when he finds humility, he exalts. And I'll show you that in a moment. He emptied himself. And then he showed two character traits. Humiliation 
and exaltation you saw in his life. Isaiah um, uh, speaks about him, Isaiah 53, um, I'm not going to read it, but if it's up there, it speaks of man of sorrows. The one acquainted with grief. Jesus totally identified with our sin by being the child. So that he could bear our sin in his body. And that he could forgive us as the son, as the holy one, he could forgive us. Isn't that amazing that, that there is there's nothing, there's no sin ever committed by man that could not be forgiven or washed away by the blood of Jesus. And so, he became obedient even to death. And I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it to a close here. His obedience to death brought us life. And it's our obedience to dying to ourselves that will give us fullness of life in Christ Jesus. It's all about obedience. You see, it's not about how, how high you jump or how much you celebrate Jesus. It's your obedience to what He says to you. So here's how you're going to remember. Because a child was born unto us, it says, for unto us a child is born. Because a child is born unto us, our correct response is to be born again unto him. You see, it's not good enough to just acknowledge that it's Jesus. It's about acknowledging that it's Jesus and the Romans 10 verse 9 says you, you need to proclaim that he's Lord but that the Father has raised him from the dead. And you've got to believe that in your heart. So it's not just enough to acknowledge that Jesus exists. You need to receive him as Lord and Savior. He was born unto us and we need to be born unto him. And if you're not born unto him then unfortunately you are just religious. If you can't recall, like I said, I was born again when I was seven years old. I can tell you it was on the 14th of uh, June on a Monday afternoon, three o'clock. And God spoke to me and got my mind. I can still remember what I prayed because I was very serious with God. Very, very serious with God. And I, I, I thought it was a good evangelistic uh, move. When my brother walked in from school, I said to him, I just received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you want to see me again, you have to be saved. Uh, he didn't get saved because I was a bit of a bugger and he didn't want to see me again. <laughs> <laughs> he only got saved about 10 years later. But, but, but I meant well. <laughs> it was my first, my first gospel message. If you want to see me again, uh, you have to be born again. <laughs> I've put, put my brother off being saved for 10 years. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you're unsaved today, knowing about Jesus is not good enough. Repenting of your sin. Remember I said the Holy Spirit is busy with you? Responding appropriately means you're going to say, Lord Jesus, forgive. Forgive me my sin. I receive you as Lord and Savior. And here, the word is very clear. If you deny him on earth, 
he will deny you before his father. And, and here's the thing, people don't like it when I say it, but fortunately I just visit once a year, so you'll get over by the time I get back. When we have an unpleasant moment with somebody and we say, Ach, go to hell, man. It's not nice, but somehow we get over it. But there's a day coming when we stand before God and you have, if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you only knew about Him and acknowledged that He's alive, but you haven't accepted Him as Lord and Savior, when you stand before God, He will say to you, Ach, go to hell, man. And that will have far-reaching consequences. Because when God says, go to hell, it's forever. See, it sounds harsh. But that's the reality. If God says, I do not know you, be cast in the lake of fire, He's saying to you, go to hell. Why? Because that's the message that you send Him all along in your life. I don't need you. I can do without you. So it's actually a very serious moment today that we need to take some stock and see am I religious about Jesus or do I have a relationship with Jesus? So remember that because a child was born unto us we need to be born unto the child. And for us as believers unto us a son is given therefore we need to be totally given to the son. That means totally committed to Jesus Christ. He gave himself. He emptied himself. He held nothing back from us. He did everything he needed to do to bring us into the kingdom. And as believers, once we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, we need to be given to the Son. Totally committed. Withholding nothing. Giving him everything, surrendering before him, coming to the foot of the cross, saying, Lord, wherever you will lead me, I will go. God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. God has got a specific, it's not just a, a general blueprint. God has got a specific plan for your life as a believer. But you need to step up and say, Lord, you're I am. And, and 50%. Uh, some of us are very, very, very proud of ourselves when we give 50% of our lives to Jesus. And 50% doesn't, doesn't cut it. We need to be totally surrendered. We need to empty ourselves of ourselves so He can fill us with everything of Him. So I'd like to pray for you. If, if you feel that the Holy Spirit of God has been nudging at your heart today, and you have just taken stock and you realize that you are not born unto the child. You are not born again. You have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. But you want to change that re reality today. You want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then I'm going to ask you, just put up your hand. I'll acknowledge it. If you want Jesus as Lord and Savior this morning. I'll tell you this, uh, just while you're thinking about it. If you had to stand before God today and He asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What will your answer be? What will you give as an answer when you stand before God today? If for some other reason, in the next 30 seconds you land before God and He says to you, give me one reason why I should allow you into 
my heaven. You might say, I've tithed, but that won't cut it. Somebody said to me once when I asked her this question, said to me, but I've been a good person. Being a good person is not the right answer. I always want to say, beep, wrong answer. <laughs> not good enough. The only answer is the blood of Jesus. I've received Jesus as Lord and Savior and I'm covered by his blood and he will say to you, welcome in. Now if you had an answer other than the one I've given, then you the person the Holy Spirit is speaking to. I'm going to do this one more time and that will be it. If you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you didn't have the right answer, and you want to make sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, why don't you slip up your hand and lead you in a prayer, and you will be have the blessed assurance that Jesus is yours forever. Okay, so I assume everybody is saved. But even if, if you're not sure, please don't leave this place without speaking to somebody. If, if you're not sure what you should do, if you're a bit shy, before you leave this place, maybe make sure you touch sides with Ross or one of the leaders, because I wouldn't like you to face Jesus on the day and you have the wrong answer. Now for those of us who are saved, who are born unto the child, but needs to be given to the son. Maybe there's some of us, and you know you haven't, you haven't given your all. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to ask you, if you want prayer, and you want, if you want to, before God say, listen, I, I want to, I want to recommit to you. I just want to. It's not even being backslidden. It's just, I want to give my all. If you want to do that publicly, why don't you just stand and I'll pray with you. If you want to say, I want to be totally committed to God. I've, maybe I've been lukewarm and Jesus hates lukewarmness. I want, to, I want to give my all to Jesus. That's you. Just stand and I'll pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, you see everybody standing here today. I thank you. I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, that as you have stirred them on, that you will come in and do open heart surgery right now. That you remove everything that is not from you and replace it with everything that is of you. I pray for a new commitment. I pray, Lord God, for, a, for lives that will honor you, that will exalt your lives, live with power because of what you've done in their lives today. I thank you that you've given us, that, you've, uh, that a child was born unto us. I thank you that the son was given to us because without that, we would have been lost, miserable creatures. But the grace of God has broken into our lives. And I thank you that your grace has come again to those who are standing here. And I pray, Lord God, that you will raise them up to become mighty men and women of valor that will take the kingdom with force. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you, Clarence. You know, just as Clarence was sharing now, and some of you guys stood, but I, I stood